get a couple of texts about Vladimir Putin scoring eight goals in one hockey match the other day there in Russia. Is that on a power play? Or? <laughs> Three goals is a hat trick, but the little known fact, eight goals is a polonium trick. Yeah. <laughs> well done. Well crafted, As my friend. in, if you get in the way of this puck, you're, uh, you and your whole family will enjoy a polonium dinner. Well, I'm seeing a lot of loving tributes to Doris Day on the uh, daytime network TV. I'm glad I'm DVRing all of that. <laughs> Coming up, a beloved Armstrong and Getty listener who is an expert on uh, Chinese-American trade relations with his point of view on the current negotiation. And there was one more. There was, I, I know there was one more. Eh, it yeah, I had to mention this new book about China I'm reading, a novel that just came out this week that's uh, big in the literary sets, and it's all about how crazy China is as a culture. Well, we have a lot of good stuff to come. Hope you can stay tuned. Right now, we're joined by a good friend of the Armstrong and Getty Show, Craig Gottwalls. Craig, the healthcare guru, attorney at law, benefits expert, uh, about the the 60 Minutes slash Washington Post story slash virtually everybody reporting on the generic drug cartel deal. The uh, overpricing of generic drugs as the big drug manufacturers were working with each other to screw you and me. Craig joins us. Hello, Craig. How are you, sir? I'm well. How are you, gentlemen? Terrific. Is this one of those deals where you were watching 60 Minutes and screaming at your TV, or did they mostly get it right? No, you know, I, both the Washington Post and 60 Minutes generally got this one right, but they don't they don't understand exactly why. And you then when I was when I was listening to your interview yesterday on the radio, and you listen to Armstrong started, Guinea, that those idiots they have no, no idea what they're talking screaming. about. Well, because you actually, I think one of you asked the question. One of you said. Why 2012 and what what happened and and he you know his his answer was legitimate in that well Medicare and Medicaid are the largest purchasers of healthcare and they move incredibly slow and they're not good at catching fraud which was accurate but there was something far more insidious going on that um, I didn't expect your reporter to know but okay that's so this this is why all of a sudden in 2012 <laughs> these companies started rigging the market to raise the prices on generic drugs just because they wanted to make more money why did it happen then. Well, it happened in 2012, and, and more importantly, the reason it started to not be caught in 2012 was, if you will recall, um, we had a small little 2,400-page, 40,000-page regulation federal law that mainly took effect in 2012. We affectionately call that Obamacare, hence the artist that used to be known as Craig the Obamacare lawyer. Right. Um, <laughs> deep within, that's right, deep within darkest, dankest Obamacare is a price control mechanism. It's referred to as the medical loss ratio mandate or MLR mandate. And what that says in effect is if an insurance carrier takes $100 from you, they have to spend 85 of those dollars on medical claims and they only get to keep 15% of those dollars to pay their expenses and their profit margin. So it's a price control mechanism, okay? And in the past, prior to Obamacare, insurance carriers used to care about keeping costs down because the lower they kept costs, the more profit they can they could keep, the more they could compete on price with their competitors. However, once you put this MLR mandate in, they're handcuffed. It's basically so simple as to say, whatever you think this customer's claims are going to be next year, you price their premium as 15% more than claims, and all you can keep is 15%. And, oh, by the way, if you screw up and you actually end up keeping 17%, you have to rebate 2% back to the policyholders. So it's nothing but a price control mechanism. Now, if you tell your child you're only allowed 30% of a bowl of ice cream, are they going to reach for the large bowl or the small bowl? 
Right. Go on. They're they're going to grab for the large bowl, right? So there's because an incentive to spend more. It's an it's an incentive for the insurance carriers to look the other way when claims are higher because they're only going to get to keep fifteen percent more than claims. Gotcha. So if claims is a bigger number, they're cool with it. So, so my, starting in twenty. Go but, ahead. Well, I, I was going to say. So is this a um. The people who wrote Obamacare, did they know this was going to happen and they were paid off or cool with it? Or is this just one of those unintended consequences? We thought we fixed oh, the world and oh, we yeah, just no. weren't this, smart enough to figure out how we were going to get gamed. Oh, that's it. It's absolutely the latter. This is a no good deed goes unpunished. Anybody who tries mm. to create a utopian heaven on earth always screws up. Well, and this and is... You, this go is ahead. It. Finish your, your thought. Well, this is it. I mean, if you, 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 when this first came out, a lot of us even thought, well, that's not a bad idea to keep, you know, make sure that insurance companies aren't those evil insurance companies aren't profiting more than they should. But what happened was the unintended consequence was, oh, okay, well, then we don't really care about fraud or customer service or errors or high claims. So whereby prior to 2012, you would have had insurance carriers screaming at the top of their lungs, if they saw drug manufacturers quintupling the price of a, of a generic drug overnight, after 2012, insurance companies really didn't care. In fact, some of them might have saw it and thought, that's fine. We can just price that much higher. That, on our that is now. clearly a key, if not the key part of this whole story. Absolutely. But it wasn't comfortable for the left-leaning reporters to dive into that. Or par- perhaps they just didn't know. But yeah, obviously, so the insurance companies are thinking, great. We get 15% of a much larger number. Sure. Hooray. Go Super. Ahead. We'll just raise it, our premiums. Yeah, go simple. ahead and jam, right. jam people all you want. We get more money that way. Craig Godwalls is Craig guy. the Healthcare Guru. This is a, a perfect time to reintroduce to folks who, who aren't familiar with it the term rent-seeking, which is when you get government involved in all these things, and these bureaucrats think they're so clever, and they try to build their utopia through thousands of pages long legislation, the experts go to work, and between 15 minutes and six months later, they figure out how to game the system. So instead of spending their time and energy to innovate, to better serve their customers, to do their jobs better, they spend their time and energy figuring out how to game the system and how to rip off the government. You, you see it in uh, folks who came over from the Soviet Union. They are so good at gaming the system because that was the most important life skill. Yeah, that's well said. That's exactly right. And and on the drug, so this is carriers, right? So, so you know, you say, well, who should have seen this? You guys asked the question. Well, carriers would have seen this. But see, now you created a system where carriers don't care. Now, even more insidious, you probably had very, very smart generic drug manufacturers pouring through Obamacare and realizing, wait a minute, carriers aren't going to be as sensitive when we increase prices because that just means their profits can go up, too. So... I don't think it's any accident that this all started in 2012. Yeah, and obviously, the like the first time you raised prices and nobody said anything, and then you all got together and raised prices again even further, and nobody said anything. Pretty soon, you caught on. Hey, we there's no market force stopping us from doing this. No market force or legal force stopping us from doing That's this. Right. So, what do you expect to happen? What do you expect to happen now? I mean, now that the jig is up, if this lawsuit ends up ending up the right way will generic drug prices just collapse overnight because i mean they they jammed them up for no reason other than pure profit yeah they're gonna drop they're gonna drop precipitously jack i i I heard your frustration with that question yesterday too and the only the only mechanism in place that would that would cause them to maybe not drop as dramatically as we would like is that um 
drug prices in general are the fastest growing component of healthcare prices. So they're going up at 20 to 25% per year. Oh my generics God. Aren't that, yeah, generics aren't quite that bad. They're more like 10% per year. So if we've got an inflation effect, a natural inflation effect of 10% per year going back to 2012, when, when now seven years sure. later we drop right. those prices, we're not going to drop them as low as they were in 2012, All but right. maybe, you know, halfway back kind of thing. So listen, we're, we're run, running out of time, but let's spend like 60 seconds on this because I have a feeling you're familiar with this. I just became hip to it when I can't remember a listener or somebody pointed it out to us that one of the reasons uh, a drunk uh, drug company gets exciting new approval that, uh, for instance, you know, we'll call it, uh, uh, you know, Armstrong and Getty Isha which has been a baldness uh, treatment, turns out it helps with dry eyes. It increases the tearing of your eyes. So they've sought FDA approval as a dry eye remedy. That's to keep it from going generic. I didn't know That's that. That's right. If they... If they can, yeah. If they can discover another valid purpose for that drug, they can they can gain another allotment of whatever it is, six to eight years, where they can keep it as a brand name drug under that purpose as well. Now, yeah. And so I could see as a drug company, and they're way ahead of me on this. Obviously, they do it for a living. But identifying a side effect that some people might want, it gives you uh, it gives you hives. Some people right. like hives. Right. It gives you severe <laughs> headaches. What if you've never had a headache? Can you wonder what are they like? I want my Rube Holler highs, Jack. Right, exactly. So, uh, Craig, the healthcare guru, Craig Gottwalls, if you need help with benefits for your uh, largest company, is happy to help you out uh, at uh, what a benefit. Underscore revolution revolution dash revolution -revolution dot com. That's the one I'm I'm sure of it. Or just email us. We'll put you in touch. Craig, it's always enlightening. Thanks, bud. Thank you, gentlemen. We'll talk to you later. Wow. So drugs even on their own are going up 20 to 25 percent per year. That's incredible. There are just so many examples of these well-meaning government policies that are going to rein in these big mean corporations, but they find their way around it moments later. But those laws, with all their unintended consequences and their costs and their restrictions on freedom, they stick around forever. You know, there there are solutions to America's health care problems. Gigantic, one-size-fits-all-ish uh, legislation, that's not it. Got a major first in the NBA uh, Western Conference Finals tonight that'd be worth mentioning. The among first other things. blind player. First, bl- first completely blind, like has no sight whatsoever. Right. Stay with us. Um... Yeah, <laughs> among other things. Coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. Owed to 82,000. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Compared, he, he called you Alfred E. Newman. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, the president of the United States called you that. Wow. Uh, what goes through your mind when that happens? You know, we talk a lot about elevating the dialogue, so I guess the fact that I inspired him to make a literary reference, possibly for the first time. <laughs> See, that's a better response from Pete Buttigieg. Edge, uh, edge. They say edge, edge. To a uh, to a uh, Trump comment, then for instance, a Jeb Bush would have come up with. Yeah, <laughs> like please, the old Saturday Night Live thing, Jebra. 
Oh, yeah, well, you're a chaos candidate. <laughs> Shut up, Jebra. <laughs> oh, boy. Hilarious. So, I don't know if you've heard this. We're in the middle of Trump's trade war, as they call it on Nakedly Progressive Radio and CNN and the other uh, lefty media. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I'm sorry, That's why right, is that are. lady shouting at me? We are. Thank um, you. Yes, we uh, thank you. You've tuned in just now, sweetheart, apparently. So, uh, sweet. We're in the middle of a negotiation with China over a trade. Uh, the the liberal media calls it Trump's trade war, um, because they're more interested in scoring ideological points than the truth, and you know, love Trump or hate him or somewhere in the middle, like a lot of us. Um, uh, it, it's really, really interesting what's going on, and we got a note from Al Anonymous, who has worked in China for forty years, now teaches economics including Chinese economic history, um, and, and lists other credentials, but I'm going to keep it vague just you know for purposes of not identify him, identifying him too, too closely. Worked in China for 40 years, while mm-hmm. there's been quite the change in China in the last 40 years. Yeah, I'd say. I, w- I would love to talk to Al at length about this someday, just for my own gratification. But uh, he wrote us rather a, a detailed note on the trade war. Note from the trenches. Not only does the U.S. have the, oh, let's see, the past few days, your guest experts have been right, uh, right on regarding the current trade war. Um, Gordon Chang, as usual, a bit overenthusiastic predicting the downfall of Chinese Communist Party, which has demonstrated a maddening propensity for muddling through. I would just add a few points. Not only does the U.S. have the advantage in economic leverage, President Trump also has economic theory on his side. Adam Smith and David Ricardo established the theoretical foundation of free trade systems, demonstrating that a system of nations trading freely performs better, generates more wealth than one that does not. There is a critical caveat. All of the nations in the system must operate according to their own natural comparative advantages in terms of land, labor, capital, and other inputs to economic growth. Since China's economic reform and their entry into the World Trade Organization in 01. The Chinese state has chosen domestic champions and created for them an artificial comparative advantage by providing land, labor, capital, and intellectual property and highly subsidizing them. Add to this the manipulation of Chinese currency. At the same time, it's saddled foreign firms operating in China with artificial disadvantages. President Trump is simply saying enough is enough. If you want to continue enjoying the benefits of the free trade system, you must now abide by its rules. As many have said, this is long overdue. And there, and this is, this is again, you are never, ever going to hear this. I, I listen to stupid CNN. I don't know why. Stupid CNN. They cover stories I care about, and I want to hear how, you know, left-leaning people or, or way-out left people uh, are arguing the point. It's just interesting to me. But they're so terrible at reporting stories. Have you heard this? This is great. This is from somebody who lives and works in China and is an expert. In China, there is a significant and growing body of academics, business people, and policymakers who agree that most of what the U.S. is demanding of China is, as the U.S. maintains, in China's long-term interest. Within this group, there's a consensus that China's economic reform program has stalled and China's mercantilist policies, take any kind of class if you want to explain, no longer protect weak industries, their original rationale, but rather protect the special interests behind those industries. So if China were to make this agreement with real enforcement mechanisms, and that's where it's hung up, they've agreed to virtually everything we've asked. 
But we say, all right, and if you violate it, this happens. And they're like, oh, eh, that's a little harsh. I don't know about that. So that's what we're fighting over right now. And, uh, and well, that, that's because so many agreements we make with so many countries around the world, they immediately cheat. Exactly. And and for whatever reason, our government has always let them do it. Yeah. China, North Korea, Iran, all these countries, we pass these so-called tough whatever it is, sanctions or economic policies, and then let them cheat. Al's point number three, negotiation is all about leverage. One must use the leverage one has at hand. In this case, the best but not only leverage for the U.S. is tariffs. It's that simple. One must always remember the Communist Party is mercantilist to the core and fundamentally opposed to markets and private enterprise. Any protestations to the contrary are simply window dressing for the purpose of obtaining short-term tactical advantage. Um, And then he he more or less agrees with your point. Uh, The U.S. must generate sufficient short-term leverage to force Xi to compromise. Your friend, uh, Al Anonymous. Excellent stuff. Can we stick it out? Listen, I, think, I, I don't doubt. I don't think Trump will cave. No, and just because uh, you hate Trump doesn't mean he's always wrong. For goodness' sakes. But I could see the Republican Party getting cold feet and everybody around him. And what's coming up in your news, Marshall? Two of the leading Democrat presidential candidates now pushing for free health care for illegals, and hackers attack WhatsApp. Install spyware on customers' phones, million and a half or more could have been what's affected. App? That's what's the app? one. Yes. Uh, that's all next on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. So I'll mention this book I started reading about China coming up in a few minutes. It just came out last week, and it's getting a lot of worldwide attention. It was really highly anticipated, the English translation. Again, I'm sorry, the fancy dishes or the country? The country. China. Because okay. it's, it's all about their culture and government and everything. Like that. And it's, it's supposed to be on the 30th anniversary of uh, Tiananmen Square that this book comes out, but it's also coming out in the midst of this trade war. Um, you know, and it speaks to the long-term health of the country. Yeah, China's a weird place. Well, there a very are very weird place. There, and it's fiction, correct? Yeah, <clears throat> there are so many great works of fiction. If we weren't lazy, we'd compile a list for you. Moby that, Dick, for instance. That, no, that there's more to this sentence. <laughs> that describe the way a society actually works. Well, that's what this is. In a way that, uh, like a, a work of nonfiction or documentary, it would take ages to lay it out and it'd be pretty dry but if you can follow a character through right. their lives and see how they bump right. up again it's so informative but that on the way right now the Souls are, are, so, uh, Dostoevsky was brilliant at that news now with Marsha Phillips well, two of the leading democratic presidential hopefuls are now touting free health care for illegals front what? runner front runner and moderate Joe Biden during a campaign stop telling reporters look I think that Anyone who is in a situation where they're in need of health care, regardless of whether they're documented or undocumented, we have an obligation to see that they're cared for. That's why I think we need more clinics around the country. All right, creepy, sleepy Joe. Or is it sleepy, (laughs) creepy Joe? I can't remember. Uh, If he means, well, more clinics. Okay, so that's not showing up to the emergency room, which already they don't turn anybody away at ginormous expense and inconvenience. Um, but if he's talking about you know government run and staffed the right. clinics that will take increasing amounts of tax money to treat anybody who sneaks into the country, we need to have an honest discussion as a people about that. 
Uh, so Joe Biden's uh, tops the poll. Uh, the, this is the latest from today from the politics at real clear politics average. He's up by four in Iowa. He's up by 13 in New Hampshire. He's up by 22 in South Carolina. And I saw a little roundtable last night with a few Democratic pundits saying everybody in Democratic politics is pretty shocked by this. Mm. You having a good time, Joe? People didn't expect him to get into the race in first place and then like increase his lead from there. Right. Nobody was really expecting that. And that's what he's done. Meanwhile, Senator Kamala Harris joining Biden in these sentiments. She was asked. So you support giving universal health care, Medicare for all to people who are in this country illegally? Let me just be very clear about this. Yeah, please. I am opposed to any policy that would deny in our country any human being from access to public safety, public education, or public health, period. Boy, that was a skillful answer. <laughs> well, because she could What a train wreck! Is anybody hurt? <laughs> well, she and Biden clearly worded those so that if they got the nomination come general election time, they could back off that because nobody outside of maybe Bernie is actually going to run on that. You cannot win the national election running on free health care for illegals. Can you run I that? hope. I hope I'm right. <laughs> oh, man, I hope you are, too. But can you play her answer again? It is hilarious. Well, also, listen for the fact that if she she says, I want to be perfectly clear. If she wanted to be perfectly clear, she would have said yes <laughs> to, this, to this question. So you support giving universal health care, Medicare for all, to people who are in this country illegally? Let me just be very clear about this. I am opposed to any policy that would deny in our country any human being from access to public safety, public education, or public health, period. Public safety? So, like, if they get in a car wreck and the car's on fire, we'll go ahead and pull them out? Well, I would hope so. I mean, come on. But public education, again, and that's the current policy. And I wonder how many voters are fully cognizant of the fact, probably in a growing number, that anybody who sneaks into this country... Their kids get a free public education, even if they don't speak English, and even if it's crippling to the educational experience of all the other kids. And as Tucker Carlson always points out, the people that allow this system to continue, Republicans and Democrats, their kids aren't in those schools. Oh, no way. They live in communities and go to private schools where they're not being affected by this, so they either don't know or don't care. Yeah. You show me the child, any child of any senator or congressperson who's in a... Well, it's all over the country, but primarily the southern half of the country. Well, I guess in your meatpacking regions, there are a lot of illegals, too. But you show me uh, one of those whose kids are in a public school that is struggling with large numbers of English as second language students. There are very few, I guarantee. Now there are 22 Democratic Montana Governor Steve Bullock jumping into the race. I'm Steve Bullock, and I'm running for president. With your help... We will take our democracy back. Steve, never mind the bullock. So I'd heard all on paper this guy's pretty impressive, but he leads with, we're going to take our democracy back. Oh, Oh. you're going to make me vomit. Oh, that's rough. Hey, hey, how'd our democracy do in the recent midterms? Huh? Pretty well if you're a Democrat, right? Did our democracy vanish again the next day? Or what? That's such claptrap. So he's a governor. We elect governors, not senators. He's a Democrat in a very red state. Yep. He won when Trump won. So, he's moderate, yeah. great at retail politics, they say. So there's no reason why he can't be in the, in the crowd with the other single-digit <laughs> right. people chasing Joe Biden. 
Right, right. But oh man, the whole frightening people into getting to the polls thing is just my hiney is so tired by that. (laughs) A WhatsApp vulnerability allowed attackers to install spyware onto people's phones just by calling them. An issue that was discovered earlier this month, the company quickly fixed it. The spyware, which could be installed through a call, even if the recipient didn't answer the phone. Ooh, what I didn't, the I, didn't, I didn't know that was a possibility. Yes. So they can call you, and even if you don't answer, they yes. they're onto your phone? Yep. What? It was developed by Israeli cyber intelligence firm NSO Group. And WhatsApp said it believes certain users were indeed targeted via vulnerability by an, an advanced cyber actor, is the way they're phrasing it. Huh. Now, did you say what sort of phones or what operating system or anything? It just I just have phones here, but okay. I'm pretty sure that uh, it's uh, fairly universal. The NS- I doubt the Israeli government is surveilling me, but uh, they may be. The NSA or NSO group's uh, technology is licensed to authorized government agencies for the sole purpose of fighting crime and terror. Hmm. That is their statement. They say we investigate any credible allegations of misuse, and if necessary, we'll take action, including shutting down the system. At least a million and a half users could be affected by this. Wow. And, of course, you know Burger King just took its Impossible Whopper, plant-based, nationwide, and now McDonald's could very well be coming for them. The fast food restaurant started selling its own plant-based burger last month, only in Germany so far. But they are thinking about moving it over to the States. It's the Big Vegan Burger TS. So, once again, you're going to see another plant-based uh, burger being uh, sold by the chains. Mm. All right, that's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. The clown goes veggie. I never thought I'd live to see the day. So I've got my uh, book recommendation on China coming up for you. Also, uh, an idea of citizens being allowed to issue parking tickets just to whoever you think is doing something wrong. I love that. Let's elevate that to more laws. (laughs) I'm willing to enforce quite a few of them. (laughs) Correct me if I'm wrong. The clown has killed more cows than anybody in history by a hundred times i don't know that but I, I don't know how it wouldn't be true yeah it's got to be yeah so ronald mcdonald has to be like the cow's satan they show him at religious <laughs> services and... well the weird thing with that is has always been to me if if you eliminated the cows wouldn't exist in the first place what I mean, you just wouldn't have them. There wouldn't be gigantic herds of cows roaming the prairie? Millions and millions and millions of domestic cows being fed and kept just as pets? No. Mm. They just wouldn't hardly exist. So you'd have, like, scrawny wild cattle like they have in different, uh, like in Africa, for instance? If you if you couldn't eat meat, I don't know why there'd be any cattle in the United States at all. Uh, you need the leather. Would yeah. they become, raise them for leather, but then you'd still be killing them. Would they become extinct? Well, it depends. If you could hunt them, they would, because they're delicious. <laughs> Hunting domesticated cattle. Yeah, there's a there's a challenge for you. Wow, you feel good about yourself? Hey, I got a shaky hand. All right, this is the only thing I can, it's the only thing oh, I can hunt. Well, no, if we if, if for instance we ended meat production in the U.S. and leather, you almost have to do leather also because we use a yeah, lot of leather. Yeah, yeah that's right. That's wouldn't right. be near as much as we need the meat, but they'd still exist. Without meat and leather, I don't understand why cows would even be around. Who's going to have one? But if you turned loose like 500,000 cows in the national parks. Like in New York? Yeah. 
<laughs> no, in the <laughs> national parks. And and ended all other... Forget leather. All right, so we've quit leather, too. It's unlikely. Why are we releasing my... them in the national parks? <laughs> well, to, so they can live. But, but what's the point? So they can live. So we have uh, that species about. Would they last? That almost surely not, huh? They're just they're not built to last. No, predators would. They're too yeah. fat and slow. We'd have and a lot of really bears fat and bears. <laughs> oh my god, the bears would be happy. The bears just laying around. I can't eat another bite, but I want to. <laughs> Packs of wolves oh, yeah. that are just yeah, exactly. obese. Oh yeah, got them full, and I'm still eating. What's wrong with me? You got wolves dying of heart attacks. <laughs> That's what would happen. Oh. Armstrong and Getty. We're in a trade war with China. Trump's trade war. Some people just want to call it a trade negotiation. So you got the economics of it, and then you got the uh, the two completely different cultures. And I've been into reading about totality. Hmm. Totality. We had a George Bush clip that was pretty funny. He tripped over that word, didn't we, Michael? Good times. I've been into reading about totalitarian states for, uh, for most of my adult life. I find it really interesting and almost impossible to conceive that it even exists, even though it has. Uh, many times, and probably will forever. Um, but there's a new book out about China trying to describe what it's like called China Dream by this author, and I don't know how to pronounce his name. I've read several of his books. It's, um, you know, I don't, I, don't know how to, I don't know how to read Chinese names. Good for you reading books. I look at a book and it looks like Mount Everest to me. It's sick. Mahjian. It's a sickness. And I've read several of his other books, but I was hip to the fact that this was the anticipated novel. He's uh, He was banned in China 30 years ago. He's one of the most world's most celebrated authors, even if you've never heard of him. And uh, his books were banned in China because he, he, he calls out their culture and government for what it is. Mm. But this book has been anticipated for a long time. This is supposed to be his, his masterpiece. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't end up with the Nobel Prize in Literature for it. It's called China Dream, and it just came out this week. And the reviews on it are all around the world are just off the charts for what it says about... Um, you know, what China is. The dedication page, before you get into the book, it says to George Orwell, who foretold it all. Mm. Give you an idea where it goes. In China Dream, Ma takes the reader on a tragic comic ride through the horrors and absurdities of totalitarian power. His vision is set not in the future, but in China today. And uh, and just gets into what it's like to live there. And it's so flipping crazy. Oh, boy. It's so flipping crazy. It's so much like the Soviet Union or North Korea or, you know, China today. And, it's you know, they got 1.4 billion people living this weirdo lifestyle. And it's all the stuff you've heard of and seen before of how everybody's scared of everybody else because all it takes is one person to turn you in and you're in trouble and your your life is ruined, maybe literally over, if not just ruined in your chance to make a living. And all that sort of how everybody's cheating the system at all times. Mm-hmm. Um, so many of the people, almost everybody's corrupt. Everybody's drunk all the time because you're so miserable in your life and your job. You spend all your time hammered just to get through the day. Wow! And it's just it's really fascinating. Anyway, it's called China Dream. It's only like 300 pages. It's an easy read. It's got some some naughty, sexy stuff in it. So you might want to watch out for that. Yeah, that speaking of you, you know, making your life livable. Anyway, I highly recommend. Both it. get liquored up and forget your uh, totalitarian problems for a few minutes. Why not? 
Yeah. Everybody, and I've read several of his books, everybody in government at all the various levels, you know, the local city, province, on up, everybody has tons of mistresses. And 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 they're they're they and their wife hate each other, and um and she's aware of the mistresses, but she doesn't care because she hates him so much. The fact that all his characters in his books have that must be what it's like. Or he's got issues, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. which wouldn't surprise me. Um, who had the record for going the deepest in the ocean up until this week? James Cameron, the guy who did the Titanic movie. Furthest down in the water anybody would ever gone. I used to know a guy who had the the world record for in a diving suit mm. uh, record. How far down did he go? I don't remember, but it was insanely far. Clear down to the deep end of the pool. <laughs> down to the drain. Right, and head first. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Brian if you're out there somewhere, my friend. So, Best wishes. Uh, some uh, new American explorer just beat the record. Thank God it was an American. Only beat the record by 60 feet, so he wasn't too uh, keen on going any further That's down. That's far enough. <laughs> Almost seven miles under the ocean, which is hard. First, give me a second to comprehend water that's seven miles deep. It's hard to wrap your head around. Anyway, guess what he found down there? In addition to some beasts that nobody knew existed because nobody had ever been down there before, some shellish prawn-like crustaceans, which were probably delicious with butter. Oh, yeah. Um, what else did he find almost seven miles down? Mm, a, oh, I think I know. Some candy wrappers in a plastic bag. Oh, for the love of heaven. Yeah. That's troubling. That is troubling. Seven miles deep. That candy wrapper you threw out the window years ago might have been your candy wrapper. You bastard. What's Mount Everest? Five and a half miles high? Is that math? Off the top out? of my head, Mount Almost Everest six. is... It's 29,000 and, and change, right? 29,035 feet. So it's almost... Right. The, it's interesting that the highest point and the lowest point we've been are almost the same. They're pretty close to the same. Coincidence? No. <laughs> Part of God's Somebody plan. Somebody pried Everest out of the ocean and set it upright. That's my theory. I wish I could give people tickets for littering. Speaking of candy wrappers in the ocean, mm. perhaps someday in the future I will. They've got a new law in Washington, D.C. now where regular citizens can issue parking tickets. You see somebody parked improperly, you can write them a ticket and put it under their windshield. Yes. Yes. yes finally. I would granted just write police powers. You are an a-hole. Right. You owe me $20. Put it under their windshield. You are fined six gazillion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Park too close to a crosswalk or in front of a fire hydrant or a, you're intruding on the bike lane. Yes. Anything like that, you can just write them up. Citizen's ticket. I do a lot of disturbing the peace. Won't they you drop be... an F-bomb in front of a, a, a women and children in front in a McDonald's, and yeah, I know that's a little sexist, but anyway, uh, you, you drop an F-bomb in front of kids in a McDonald's, I'm writing you up. Disturbing the peace. That sort of thing. Rudeness. Boy, it depends on the McDonald's you're going to or the restaurant you're going to. In a lot of restaurants, I would agree, but uh, like there's there's a McDonald's on my way home that I stop at. It's mm. not in a uh, not in a uh, good place. Mm. People would look at me like, are you crazy? Well, nobody can speak English, but the people who do speak <laughs> English would say, are you crazy? Senor, are you loco? Um, it's all it's all homeless people first. and filth at and first. bad language. Well, you got to be like a, a sheriff send to clean in the, the lawless western town. Some white herp thrown open the door of the McDonald's. Exactly. It all ends now. <laughs> exactly. You wade in with your pad. You're right. You get a ticket. 
You get a ticket. That was my favorite part of the Wyatt Earp movie with Kevin Costner when he threw open the doors and said, I'm Wyatt Earp and it ends now. (laughs) I almost watched The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance again the other night. Who did shoot? Judy Liberty said Jones. she was willing to. That's the, that's the key. Mm. That's a huge spoiler. It wasn't Doris Day? I shouldn't was even it? told you it was a spoiler. Telling you it's a spoiler is a spoiler. Mm. I apologize. It's like a sixty-year-old movie. It wasn't Doris Day. <laughs> <laughs> she was she in it? No. I just wonder who was the there's 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 a super cute blonde girl in it. Could have been her. It could have been. That's about Jimmy Stewart, John Wayne. Oh, my God, it's such a great but movie. But honestly, like this McDonald's that I stop at, and I kind of stop at it now just to see what it's like. I mean, the homeless situation around it is incredible. Just incredible. Wow. People just asleep in the parking lot, just laying in the middle of the parking lot, passed out with their belongings around them. Junkies. And you, and you drive around them. Remember, and I'm, I'm begging you to join me in this, it's bums and junkies. Because you're like noble Got a couple of bad breaks, homeless people, they got a kid or whatever. They're not sl- passed out in a McDonald's parking lot. It's bums and junkies. Taking a nap. You know, <laughs> <laughs> John Boehner there. It's good to hear from you, John. How you been? How I got I really been? tired. I've been smoking, tanning, and playing golf. I ate here in the McDonald's. I was on the way back to my job, and I, I got tired. So I lay down here in the parking lot and decided to take a little snooze. You know, it occurs to me that The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance is all about the balance between law and order and liberty, and that uh, fit in well with that, that Chinese book you're pitching. Watch them, mm. read them, watch them, read them both. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong.